In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot, really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, visit betterhelp.com stuff today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot slash stuff. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and Jerry's over there somewhere on the other side of the membrane uh, because she's insane in the membrane. And this is Stuff You Should Know. I think it's pretty funny that I used to love Cypress Hill. <laughs> oh, I, I downloaded their album again yeah. like the other day, yeah, and it's it still holds up. Insane, got no brain. I love that guy. I don't remember his name. Actually, now I think about it, I don't remember the other dude's name either. I just remember their DJ was DJ Muggs, right? Uh, That sounds about right. Yeah, I remember his name. I don't remember the other, like the two MCs. I don't remember. I think they liked marijuana smoke, if I remember correctly. Here or there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a song about a bong, I believe. Yeah. It's from the bong. That's right. (laughs) I'm going to go listen to that now. You should listen to the album again. It's still pretty good. They, I mean, they're talking about like shooting people and everything. You're just like, come on. No, you don't do anything like that. No, they don't. But, um, you know, there are other stuff. The other stuff they talk about is pretty good. Yeah. So I am literally going to go listen to that now. Uh, and you can talk about reverse osmosis. All right. So, Chuck, you made a reference before we started um, recording that sounded really familiar to me, but it's probably only going to sound familiar to like eight other people. You referenced Osmosis Jones, right? I did. And I was like, who is that? It sounds really familiar. And I cannot, for the life of me, place it. And then you said it's from our TV show. Still can't really place it, but I, now I kind of know what you're talking about. Actually, uh, now I'm doubting myself. Okay. I think Osmosis Jones is uh, is a movie. Okay. Yeah. I think you're thinking of Nash Pluto. No, no, no. Osmosis Jones is a Chris Chris Rock animated movie. Okay. I got it mixed up with something our our one of our co-star actors used to say a lot, which was to say Jones on the end of anything. That's right. And I think it reminded me of Osmosis Jones, but I have COVID, so I'm all over the place. You are all over the place. But one thing where you really nailed it, Chuck, and I'm really appreciative that you brought up Osmosis Jones, is because we're talking about osmosis today. And in particular, we're going to focus mostly on reverse osmosis, although we'll have to talk about regular osmosis as well. How does that sound? Yeah, I mean, can I go ahead and talk about regular osmosis? Uh, (laughs) I mean, is there any better time? I can't think of a better time. <laughs> Certainly not in our Radium Girls episode. Yeah. I mean, this is basically, like, 
if you took chemistry in high school and you have forgotten everything about it since then, mm-hmm. you might hear the words osmosis and reverse osmosis and be like, wait a minute, that's that's tickling my brain a little bit. I know I knew that at one point. So just a little basic chemistry 101 okay. is, let's just talk about salt water. Lay it on us. <laughs> um, salt water is going to figure in, hev- uh, almost said heavenly, heavily here, because as you'll see, reverse osmosis is a great uh, kind of modern way to, sort of the hip new way to take salt from water so we can drink yeah. it. Like if you, make about a cup of, if you make a cup of salt water and you gargle it, you know, for your throat, mm-hmm. and you have some left over, you could use reverse osmosis to convert it back into regular water. That's so right. You don't waste it. And we we talked about, I know we'd done stuff on desalination. It's been a yeah, while. Yeah, we did, we did an episode way back in the day yeah. called... Um, Is it possible to drink the ocean or something like that? Uh, what... Exactly what happens when we run out of water, I think, is what it was. No, I was way off. And then uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about drinking the ocean. We also did one on manufacturing water, too. But, yeah, yeah, yeah we talked about this uh, desalinating before. That's right. So back to Chemistry 101. It's very simple. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you folks remember what a solution is, but a solution is when, and in this case, it's with salt water, you have a solvent, which is the water, and then you have the solute, which is the salt or the thing sugar. you dissolve in the water yeah, or the solvent. Or, or whatever else you want to have in there. And this whole thing together is called a solution. And if you put this solution in a YouTube, not Y-O-U-T-U-B-E dot com, mm-hmm. but yeah. a literal beaker shaped like a tube, mm-hmm. and you had a, a semi-permeable membrane in the middle, let's just go ahead and say Gore-Tex in this case, because that's what that is. Shout out Gore-Tex. And you poured this stuff in there on one side, and then you poured regular water on the other side. That water on the other side is going to want to just balance out. It's going to want to seek thermodynamic equilibrium, and it's Mm going to fight its way through there, through that membrane, until everything is nice and level. It's got this osmotic pressure, and it's going to push through there until it reaches that equilibrium because that's where it wants to be. And that's yeah. osmosis. Yeah, because nature is seeking equilibrium. And because the, the, the higher concentrated side is separated by a membrane from the lower concentrated side, it's got to make it through that membrane to even things out. And as it does, it's actually going to push the concentrated side up the beaker because it's moving into that side through the membrane. It's pretty amazing stuff. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's osmosis, Chuck. Nicely done. Why don't you tackle reverse osmosis? <laughs> so reverse osmosis, so osmosis, what you just described is a passive process. It happens because the atmosphere above us has weight, like air has weight. And in fact, if you took one square inch of a column of atmosphere of air from the surface of the earth all the way up to the exosphere, the tippy top of the atmosphere, that one square inch column would weigh about 14 and three quarter pounds. So another way to put it is there's 14.75 pounds per square inch of pressure at surface level on Earth. And because of that pressure, we have that osmotic pressure. And so the stuff can kind of move from one side to the other, from lower concentration to higher concentration to balance things out. And it's all because of that. But the whole thing's a passive process. There's nothing moving this. It's It's not requiring energy to, to take place, okay? 
with reverse osmosis, you're doing the opposite of what you just described, and it actually does take energy. You have to create more pressure that will overcome the, os- the natural osmotic pressure. And what you're doing in that case is actually taking the solvent, in this case water, and moving it out against its natural will, against every fiber of its being screaming at you that, no, this is wrong. This is an abhorrence against nature. Um, it's moving it through that membrane to the other side, to the lower concentration. So what you're doing is taking a concentrated solution and making it even more concentrated by taking out, the, the in this case, the water. So what you have on one side is salt water, and then salt water concentrate, and what you have on the other side is just pure water, what they call ultra-pure water. Um, and that's basically reverse osmosis. Yeah, so if you're looking to uh, to make salt water not salt water, and you had a couple of tanks, and on one side you had that um, that solution of salt water, or let's just call it salt water. Okay. And it's under that you know regular uh, osmotic pressure that we were talking about. It's all happy and, and well. You got to mm-hmm. apply, I think, about fifty to sixty bars of pressure, mm-hmm. and you got to push that thing through there, and those salt molecules are too big to pass through the membrane. And it's it's really pretty easy. It's not the most, I mean, I can't go out and build one of these, but it's not the most complicated process. It's really just, no. if you think about trying to fit something too big through a small hole, it's not going to go. Everything else will. So what's left over is salt or, you know, sort of a briny solution. Right. And what you're saying is like using pressure to push it through. Like that's that basically makes sense. But but when you're almost you're not using pressure to to push it, you're just increasing the pressure in that concentration, and then reverse osmosis happens by magic because you've overcome that natural osmotic pressure, and now you know to the to the solution or the salt water and the ultra pure water. You know what's up is down. Nothing makes sense anymore. All bets are off because you've overcome that natural osmotic pressure. So it's not exactly like pushing it through a membrane, which is how my brain kept going. Um, there's like it's it's a little more magic than that. But the upshot of it is that that membrane you're using is so small, the pores in it are so small that only water can make it through. And water, it turns out, is really small. Chuck, you want to know how small water is? Sure. Well, prepare for it because I'm about to lay it on you. The average, actually, it wouldn't be average. It would be exactly the same size. The size of a water molecule is 0.27 nanometers, which is 27 hundred thousandths of a micron, and a micron is a millionth of a meter. So a human hair's diameter is about 70 microns. A water molecule is 27 hundred thousandths of one micron. So it's really, really small, which means that if you can make a membrane that is small enough large enough for water to get through, but not much larger than that, it's going to keep a lot of other stuff from passing through that membrane as well. That's right. Uh, Maybe we should take a break and we'll talk a little bit about what we've been teasing, which is desalination right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. 
Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So if you want to, I mean, water is a, is a commodity. We've been talking about that a lot on the show for a while and, and kind of trying to bang that drum that potable drinking water, uh, it, you know, it could be a crisis in the near or far future for the world. So there have been a lot of efforts over the years uh, kind of to try and get ahead of this a little bit. And the ocean is an obvious place to look because there's a lot of water out there. Sure. So the efforts have been made since I believe about the 1950s to try and turn that that salt water into something that people can drink or at least use, you know, for other purposes, um, you know, not necessarily like potable water, but, you know, use in, in industries and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, in, in particular, we've known how to like distill or to get water from salt water, pure water from salt water using distillation, but that uses a lot of energy where you boil the water. It takes a lot of energy to boil water and boil the salt out of water. Um, and that was kind of the first attempt. But I think in the 60s, they started to say, um, maybe we could take this osmosis thing that's happening all over the place and reverse it. And, and we could use that to get salt out of water. Yeah, and they figured out how to do it, and it was going pretty well, but they didn't have a great way to do it on a large scale mm -hmm. that made it kind of financially practical to do uh, mm -hmm. until a couple of engineering grad students at UCLA came along. Uh, one was named Sidney Loeb, and the other was named Srinivasa Suri Rajan. Boy, Very I think nice. I nailed that. Yeah, you did. Would you say it another way or no? I, no, and okay. I don't have their names in front of me, but I think that you, it sounded pretty believable, Chuck. You know what I do? Here's a little trick for you. Okay. And of course, this is only works as, if you're pronouncing the parts correctly, but I just you're do like the I old... look them up on the internet, I call <laughs> them and ask them how to say their name. Well, you could. Sometimes I look on YouTube to see if they're interviewed, but um, I just spell it out dictionary style, like syllable by syllable with 
big spaces in between. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then do you make the one with the emphasis, the syllable with the emphasis, like in all caps or something like that? Sometimes or I'll, trip. S- I'll scribble a underline or, you know, none of it's like uh, like real dictionary style. Uh, what, no, is the, what is that called? The schwa. Just like pronunciation you know, guides. Schwa. Yeah, I don't, make, I don't even know what a schwa is. It's the upside down E. Oh, that's a schwa? Yes. What's the word we were talking about the other day that I loved? Interrobang. Schwing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Schwing. I hate Schwing. You hate Schwing? Oh, I, I think everybody it. hated Schwing for a little while there. Yeah. yeah. Not a fan. So, yeah. all right. So I nailed those two names. They were grad students at UCLA. <laughs> right. And they were the two gentlemen who came up with this, basically the first practical uh, reverse osmosis membrane using cellulose acetate. And it was the first time that they could actually use this on a large scale. And they yeah. did so. Uh, this is actually more of a small-scale operation, but the idea was the same. Uh, at a place in uh, Coalinga, California in 1965 that mm-hmm. was online for seven years uh, and worked pretty well, from what I understand. Yeah, and at the very least, it was a very good um, proof of concept, I guess, you know, and it showed that, yeah, with this new this new acetate membrane, you know, like you were saying, you can get a lot more through it at a much faster pace um, and that's kind of what you need if you're going to ramp this up for industrial-style production. And they definitely did. That was 1965, you said it went on online? Yeah, to 72. Today is, as of 2019, there's now 177 different countries great. producing desalinated water using reverse osmosis. And in fact, there's, I think, 16,000 desalination plants in the world. By far the most are in Africa and the Middle East. But there's a total capacity now today, just since 1965 this has developed, where 100 million cubic meters of fresh water can be produced every day worldwide. That is just nuts. So from taking seawater and and using reverse osmosis to turn it into pure fresh water. That's right. And uh, those numbers are growing and they need to, which is is a great thing. I love it when we figured out how to do something Mm-hmm. And then it's just a matter of sort of getting more and more of it going. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. And I think from what I understand, you know, everybody's trying to figure out like, um, you know, how to build on efficiencies sure. and uh, how to continue to scale up and how to use less energy and time and all that. But it's it's it seems to be one of those technologies that's roughly the same as it was when they invented it initially. And basically, um, to kind of give just a little bit of detail on on how it goes, it's it's you you take in seawater. Most reverse osmosis plants that um, desalinate seawater are built pretty close to the sea because um, transportation is is a big cost. So if you can just pipe it right from the sea into your plant, that saves on a lot of cost and time and energy. Um, it's ramped up using pumps, and then it's run through the the reverse osmosis filters. And under pressure that, like you said, I think 60 bars of pressure. So it's pressurized so that it, it overcomes the natural osmotic pressure. And it it is it goes over, not through. Like I keep wanting to think of it going through, like there's a membrane in the water's way and it has to go through this membrane. That's not how it goes. It goes through a tube and in the center of the tube is another tube um, that's wrapped in the membrane. And the the concentrate the the salt keeps going but the water that's in that concentrate that salt that solution um goes 
through the membrane into that inner tube. And that inner tube pushes that fresh water, that, that um, reverse osmosis water, along um, into what's called the uh, production water stream. And then that salt water just continues along its way back out to the ocean under pressure in what's called the reject stream, which is not nice, but it's, you know, an accurate description. And then that's, that's how, like, you would desalinate water. It is. Reject, reject water stream? Sure. Although, or just the reject stream. Sure. Okay, there you go. When you have three names, I think that's more an album title. So maybe just reject stream? Yeah, I think Reject Stream is great. And we'll talk about that more later. Not the band, but... Well, oh, okay. <laughs> or the imaginary band. We'll, we'll really go song by song out. on their debut yeah. album. Yeah. And who's playing what? Uh, so reverse osmosis is not the kind of thing that you can just use for salt water. It's a great application, of course, but it can, you know, you're filtering something out. So you can filter out almost anything. Um, mm-hmm. If you have a local water source that has way too much fluoride, you can filter out some of that fluoride in a much more efficient way than you can using uh, charcoal filtrations. Uh, we did a show on fluoride like a thousand years ago. I remember that one. Yeah, I think it's this fluoride making us stupid. That w- I feel like that was one of our like 15-minute episodes or something. Yeah, easily at most. Uh, I think some you talked about the ultra-pure water, which can, is the re- you know one side of the result. And some companies need that stuff, and some industries need that stuff. So mm-hmm. sometimes you're filtering out things just to get that ultra-pure water to use uh, as an industry application. I think uh, when you're manufacturing electronics sometimes or pharmaceuticals, um, different kind of chemicals, certain medical applications. Uh, We talked about wastewater a lot, uh, the toilet-to-tap thing. That's using reverse osmosis. Right. That was Um, one of our best episodes, I think. Do you think so, wastewater treatment? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say best episode when we've been doing this for 80 years, but... Uh, I thought it was a good one. No? Yeah, no, I thought it was good, too. Oh, okay. I was just surprised to hear you say that. But no, yeah, I, thought I thought it was thought really it was, cool. Yeah, and toilets is hap- is, is just gross, but it, it it's it's sensible, for sure. And the, the, the point of it is, is it's gross entirely in your mind. Like, when you raise that glass of water that used to be wastewater, it's just water after it's undergone reverse osmosis. Like, that's it. There's nothing else in it. There's not even a memory of that kind of stuff. You know, despite what homeopaths say, there's nothing in that water except for the water. There are some things that make it through, um, what are called contaminants of emerging concern. Um, Some kinds of pharmaceuticals can actually make it through. They're small enough that they make it through with the water molecules. But for the most part, most everything else is filtered out by reverse osmosis. Um, And one of the reasons that, uh, or one of the other industries that use it, Chuck, is like the beverage industry. Yeah. Because you can take tap water from anywhere, run it through a reverse osmosis filter, and move even more of it through faster because you're not having, you're not dealing with a, a briny salt solution. Like this is just tap water. And you're convert, you're basically turning it into a blank slate. So you could make like a soft drink tastes the same anywhere in the world just by using the local tap water to produce it, you know, and now you have production facilities all over the world, so you don't have to transport it um, because you're able to start with reverse osmosis water. Oh, yeah. They use it uh, separating whey from milk. Uh, They use it in the wine industry some now. They use it to make maple syrup. They remove that, that sugary goodness from the water and the sap. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um, let's see. They use it for uh, recycling. One of the other. This is a big, big deal. As we'll see, um, when you when you produce all sorts of stuff um, through industrial processes, or if you recycle things, you have to use all sorts of other chemicals. You produce all like sorts of wastewater as a byproduct, and wastewater is really hard to get rid of without contaminating other water because it mixes really well. So one of the good things you can do is take wastewater, run it through reverse osmosis, and you're basically catching all of the stuff that was once mixed in with the water mm-hmm. um, and making it into a much more disposable, much closer to solid form, and then also producing reverse osmosis water that you can use for all sorts of other applications as well. And speaking of recycling, a little bit different kind of recycling, mm-hmm. but some of these, and you know, not all of them, There, you know, there's nothing that gets me going more than a contained system. Yeah. And some of these are contained systems, which is, when you have a system that kind of feeds itself, uh, we talked about these high pressure pumps that force out. What did you call it again? What was the band? Uh, reject stream. The reject stream. Mm-hmm. That's no, stuff- not the. God help oh, right. you if you call them the reject stream. <laughs> just reject stream. That's like a Letterman misstep or something. And you got a cool logo with just an R and an S that sort of are snaking around each other or something like that. This is what I see. Do you know, you remember the Grateful Dead kid with the ice cream cone on his head? Sure. Something along those lines. But then rather than an ice cream cone, he's got a reverse mohawk like the bad guy in Death Wish 3. (laughs) See, I was thinking more like the White Snake logo. (laughs) Oh, no. It's... I don't think so. No, you just blew my mind a little bit. I'm trying to recover here by tap dancing, but I don't know, man. Maybe. Not to get further down this road but i the other day i saw that there was some big festival in europe with all these metal bands and i was like oh that looks kind of cool and white snake was playing i was like are those guys still playing mm-hmm. it's like let, let me go check them out and see what they sound like just do yourself a favor and go to youtube and watch like a white snake festival from like just like put in 2019 let's say do they, do they just play all their old hits or are they making new music oh well i don't know i can't speak to that the, the old hits are what's on youtube Okay. Um. It it's not it's not great. David Copperfield. So is it still da- okay? I, I'm so it's glad him. you said his name too, because I almost said David Copperfield. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. He makes the stage disappear beneath his feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It uh, makes you forget. That's the most important part. Yeah. It it's it's not great. It it's uh just just go check it out. Boy, this COVID's got you trashing everything. The Radium I Girls know, man. movie. I'm yucking yums. White Snake 2019. I know. I love White Snake. You know, Tawny Katane passed away. Maybe that's something to do with it. What? Yeah, she died a couple of years ago, I think. I didn't know that. Yeah. Or maybe even last year. It might have been Man. COVID. No. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm You're high. riffing? Yeah. Are you on meds right now? No, no. I'm, I'm high okay. on like stuffy headedness. I gotcha. You it's know, the natural stuff. high. <laughs> sure. So where was I? Oh, yeah. Contained system. So they're pumping out this stuff. Uh, with high pressure, and as we'll see, uh, that can go just go out into the ocean again, and we'll talk about that more later. But mm-hmm. they can also use that that force of pumping this stuff out to mm-hmm. use it to spin a turbine, our old friend spinning a turbine, mm-hmm. and basically reusing that stuff to, to make it a closed system where it's operating itself. Yeah, pretty, it's pretty amazing. amazing. I get jazzed by that as well. And I just realized, Chuck... Basically, these desalination plants that are close to the ocean are basically a, a giant YouTube, 
And in the middle, there's that membrane, mm-hmm. but really also in the middle is the, the entire desalination plant. But it's just coming up one side and passing through the other. Actually, it's not a very good analogy now I think about it. But it's a U-shape at least. How about that? Yeah. You can also get them uh, under your sink or on your countertop in your kitchen. Like, it sounds like the most, you know, large-scale scientific thing you could imagine. But if you just go to a big box hardware store and you look up water filtration systems, a lot of them are reverse osmosis. Yeah, yeah. You're um, you're going to be hard-pressed, actually, to find one that doesn't have that, like one of those under-sink, like, multi-filter, multi-stage yeah. water filters that comes with its own faucet that you have to install. But they don't—I I was looking. They're actually, you know, um, I think they've actually come down since this article was written A couple hundred back. bucks, right? Yeah, something like that. It seemed like you can get a pretty good one for about $200, $250, like basically everything you need. Yeah. And then there's also countertop versions, too, if you want to just have one on your countertop. Why not? But I say, I say we take a break, okay? Yeah, because we, we've talked all upside. Right. There's a dark side to this. Well, not really, but, you know, there's some down downsides or drawbacks. Nothing dark, I would say. That might be overstating it. Agreed. All right. Well, we'll be back right after this, everybody. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Okay, Chuck, welcome to the dark side of reverse <laughs> osmosis. Very nice. You got compliments on your um, Bella Lugosi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was very good. I don't remember what episode that was. I don't man, know. I'll take it. it. Good. I'll take any compliment. Okay. Sure, same here. Unless you're really good at not doing podcasts well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took you a second, didn't it? <laughs> it really did. I think I have sympathetic COVID. <laughs> I'm a little foggy myself. That's sweet. Well, you know, you got to get out of that bunk bed underneath me. You might catch it. <laughs> so uh, first, before we get started, I want to shout out Perth, Australia. Chuck, get this. 43% of Perth's drinking water is made from desalinated seawater from reverse osmosis. They have two plants there. We probably drank some while we were there. I'll bet we did. I'll bet we did. I Didn't it. know it. Couldn't even tell. Pass. So, uh, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, you know what's funny is everyone outside of Australia got that joke. Because I guarantee you they didn't show that ad in Australia. And they also think that Tom Brokaw runs Motel 6. That's right. 
So we were talking about the dark side of of uh, of reverse osmosis plants or desalinating using reverse osmosis and reverse osmosis in general. There's some problems with it. For one, it's really well, I don't want to say it's really energy intensive. It's actually not as bad as you would think. But the more you scale up, and you know where you're supplying, say, almost half of your your town's drinking water through reverse osmosis desalination, yeah, like the energy usage scales up. So the cost can scale up. And then also, so does the carbon footprint of these things because, you know, they're burning fossil fuels to run those pumps to pressurize that column of water when they send it across the reverse osmosis membrane to overcome the osmotic pressure. That's a a real big, that's that's a problem with it, I guess you could say. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, another problem that we we teased earlier was the, um, I guess what do you call it? A, a harmful byproduct or just a, a waste waste byproduct? Reject stream. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it is it is a byproduct. That basically, it's salt. It's brine. It mm-hmm. is. There's a lot of it left over, and you got to do something with it if you're not going to run it back into a closed system. And some places they just say, all right, well, it's it's salt water in very concentrated form. So let's just pump that back into the ocean. Sure. And it, I'm glad I kept reading because my first thought was like, well, sure, it's salt water, but that can't like the ocean has a certain amount of salinity on purpose, probably. Right. And that, that can't be great to just add a lot more. And uh, my instinct was right. It's not. Uh, I think Australian Center for uh, Water Research says Things get back to normal at about 1,600 feet, 500 meters from the source. It's mm-hmm. pre- pretty far. Um, so anything within that, that 1,600 feet, it's it's really bad news when they're pumping that stuff back in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a fish can get out of there pretty quickly. But if you're not a fish, if you're something that crawls along on the seafloor or, or plant life on the seafloor, then that's really bad. And it's going to kill off a lot of stuff in that area. Yeah, which is problematic. I mean, high salinity decreases the dissolved oxygen, and fish and sea life need oxygen in the water. So it's it is a real problem for that that life that can't move away very easily. And then in addition to that, too, they actually introduce certain kinds of chemicals and metals into the um, the stream, the feed the feed water stream. Um, to keep the membranes from fouling up, is, right. uh, as, which happens really easily. You can imagine if you have a, a, a membrane that has pores that are just big enough to allow something that's 2,700 thousandths of a micrometer, a micron, across through. Like, all that stuff that's left behind is going to gunk up the membranes really yeah, quick. It's going to get insane in that membrane. So they take, exactly, so they take steps to keep this from fouling, from getting clogged up by adding additional stuff. Well, that additional stuff also yeah. gets pumped out into the ocean too, which is a problem as well. There are calls for um, uh, additional steps to be added onto that reject stream so that before it hits the ocean, it runs through like a UV light that kills off pathogens maybe, um, or maybe they need to filter out some of the stuff and reuse like the chlorine and the copper that they're introducing. Um, There are things that we could do to to make the whole thing a little more environmentally friendly for sure. Yeah, for their, uh, I think the plant operators in Australia say that they're like, you're pumping it out so fast, mate. It mixes in really quick. And I don't know if I buy that. 
I mean, it makes sense that it mixes faster than if you're just like leaking it out slowly, but I would say just spread it out a lot more if you could. I mean, maybe that's not practical and that's just like a a dumb guy who doesn't know how it works talking, but Hmm. you know, I would disperse it more. Yeah, I mean, I guess you kind of could. You could you could put like a like a sprinkler head on the end, so it's not just one big column. It's there just kind of yeah, it's diffused. And just when I thought it was a dumb idea. No, it's a great idea. We <laughs> now we need to go invent like a giant sprinkler head and patent it and use it. So uh, it <laughs> it's not just a danger for oceans too. Um, most of these plants obviously are near the ocean, um, but if there are plants that are more inland and they're storing this stuff in tanks. Uh, you could, just like you have an oil spill, you could have a saline, like a brine spill, and that mm-hmm. would be really, really harmful to the dry land vegetation and plant life and the whole ecosystem. And, you know, I don't even think we uh, we kind of walk past the fact that when you're pumping this stuff in the sea, it's not just like, oh, some lobsters and coral dies. Like, that's part of the ecosystem that's going to set off a chain reaction mm-hmm. uh, to everything around it as well. Yeah. Um so there there are people who are trying to come up with, like we were saying, like more efficiencies and ways around some of these problems. One of the things I saw um, was out of the National Laboratory in Idaho um, that uses something called switchable polarity solvents. Did you mm. see that? No. So there's a different kind of osmosis that they're using that doesn't require um, the artificial pressure built up using pumps and all that. So automatically it's less energy intensive. And they add a kind of chemical called a switchable polarity solvent, which when you add it to um, the uh, solution, it actually raises the osmotic pressure itself. So the water comes out of solution um, on its own without having to be pressed. And then that switchable polarity solvent comes with it. You hit it with some heat and it basically shocks the SPS, that chemical, out of the water. um, And then you have... You've just got your water, and then you just remove that switchable polarity solvent. So it requires far less energy, which is a big improvement for sure. That's pretty amazing. It is. And then I saw another one that uses a double piston setup where when they they do the, the water treatment basically in batches, where they add it to that barrel that has the hollow barrel going through it with the membrane involved, the actual reverse osmosis filter in, on an industrial scale— They add it in batches, and they use a piston to push the water through. And then as the piston's moving, there's another chamber opening up behind it that's getting filled with seawater. So there's no downtime where, like, the piston moves to one side, and then seawater fills up, and then the piston moves to the other side. It's just constantly going back and forth, and on either side, there's seawater that's being treated or filling up to be treated next. So you don't have downtime, but then also the seawater that's coming in is pushing the piston the the other way, too. So it requires less energy as well. Um, And I think that one's out of Purdue. So there's some people figuring out how to make this a little better, less energy intensive, a little faster. Um, and we'll probably see a lot of a lot more solutions, especially as water becomes more and more precious, you know, starting now, basically. Yeah, they're also trying to find more uses for that brine instead of trying to put it in the ocean. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, surely people can use brine, right? Sure. And there are some aquaculture applications in uh, commercial aquaculture. Uh, I think tilapia farms, if if you like tilapia, I'm not a big fan, but tilapia love uh, really, I uh, think, high high salinic, would that be it? Sure. High salinic water? Sure. I mean, uh, at this point, it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> All right, great. They like really salty water. That's how I should have said sure. it. Salt, and, salt water. <laughs> and I think Bream do as well. So they're they're starting to ship some of that stuff there. Mm-hmm. And I think um, sometimes it can be used to grow stuff like sea beets or mm-hmm. in animal feed or in biofuel. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's like there's still going to be that byproduct, even if they, even if every tilapia farm on earth wanted this water, you know, this brine yeah. stuff. And especially the more we produce, the more brine we're going to have. Because I don't know if we said it or not, for every one liter of fresh water you produce, you've got 1.5 liters of briny water, higher salty concentration water that you're sending back out to sea to kind of mess with the salinic count. <laughs> <laughs> So that's Reject Stream's um, first album. What what is it again? Selenic Count. Selenic Count. Reject Stream. All right. So, uh, Chuck, there's actually, we got to finish on this one point. There's a debate, especially it seems like on Facebook, (laughs) um, uh, as to (laughs) just how uh, healthy reverse osmosis water is. And in a lot of ways, it it makes sense on its face, to tell you the truth. Is it really on Facebook? That seems to be the kind of like the the kind of sites that are really okay touting this seem to to f- have their links promoted on Facebook a lot. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, that's as diplomatic as I can. Okay. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so the idea is that reverse osmosis is all well and good for preventing pathogens, viruses, chemicals, minerals, metals from passing through. And when you run water through a reverse osmosis filter, the ultra pure water you have on the other side is is great. The, the the point of these the, that these people are making is that it's actually too great, it's too pure, and that humans actually need more stuff than just hydrogen and oxygen mixed together. That we need other kinds of like trace minerals in our water, and um, that reverse osmosis strips it out. So there's this um, there's remineralization filters that you can mm-hmm. actually get for your reverse osmosis filter to where it goes through all the stages, pre-treatment, treatment, reverse osmosis. And then on the other side, the last filter is remineralization, where it yeah. might add a little bit of boron, sure. a little bit of, you know, sea salt, something like yeah. that. Um, it's got a little calcium in it. And now the water is ultra pure, but also beneficial for your metabolism's optimal function. It makes a lot of sense. I didn't see a lot of academic debate over it. It was happening more peripherally, it seemed like. So that's good why idea. I'm a little a little incredulous of the whole thing, but it makes a lot of sense, you know? I like a good mineral water. Yeah, and apparently also if you um if you want, if you have reverse osmosis at your house and you are like, I can't afford a remineralization pitcher, just get yourself a little Himalayan salt mm-hmm. or a little bit of sea salt. You should have that because anyway. That's more than just salt. That contains a lot of other um, beneficial elements and, and um, metals, alkali, earth metals and stuff. And just put a little little sprinkle in there. Yeah. And there you go. A little dabble do you. That's right. That's the second album from Reject Stream. <laughs> They're going pop. They're like Kings of Leon. They started out kind of edgy and oh, then man. the record company came kidding. to call in and they said, sign us up. I love that first King of Kings of Leon's album, and then they uh, they said, "All right, hillbillies, go get a haircut, <laughs> yeah, and get rich." They're like, "Get hot, yeah." Uh, you got anything else about Kings of Leon? Nope. Okay. Uh, well, if you want to know more about Kings of Leon, Reject Stream, Reverse Osmosis, Desalination, any of that stuff, um, go check it out on the internet. See what happens when you search all that at once. 
Maybe the universe will explode. Since I said the universe will explode, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this conveniently an email from Beth. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? It's full circle, man. That's synchronicity. Uh, Stupidicity. Serendipity. I'm not going to read it in my terrible Aussie accent, though. I wish you would. I can't do it. I'm fading. Uh, Hey, guys. Big fan here from far, far away, Western Australia. My husband and I spent two years traveling and exploring Australia in a ute towing a caravan. I don't know what that is. SUV? Van? Truck? Uh, And in the process, discovered the delights of stuff you should know. It was great for days with long outback drives. I remember our very first episode that I randomly selected when we lost our podcast virginity, cave diving, totally nuts, and we were hooked. Uh, We have since returned home to our city of uh, Perth uh, because of COVID, put an abrupt end to their travels. And Mm. now they listen on their daily drive to and from work. Luckily, there are so many years worth of shows for me to catch up on. Uh, On our travels, we spent a week in the outback town of Cooper Petty, that is P-E-D-Y, C-O-O-B-E-R, Cooper Petty, mm-hmm. where a lot of worlds uh, the world's opals come from. Uh, you should do an episode on opals. Anywho, I couldn't help but notice <laughs> that you failed to mention that uh, that town in the Selects Cave Dwelling episode. Uh, I listened to that one recently, despite most of the town living underground and having yeah. some beautiful underground churches. Check it out on Google. Uh, there's will. another Anywho. Keep okay. up the good work. I'll keep listening. Warm wishes. Uh, that is from Tamara. Well, thanks a lot, Tamara. Anywho, appreciate that. Did Tamara spell it H O O or W H O? A N Y H O O. Oh, yeah. There's two kinds of people in the world, and it's divided by how you spell anywho. There are three kinds. There are, <laughs> you know what the third is? What? The people who don't use anywho. I don't know, Chuck. I think we all have a little bit of in, anywho user in all of us. I think you're you know right. What I'm saying that brings you us can together. take the person out of the anywho, but you can't take the anywho out of the person. You sure said it. Uh, well, thanks again, Tamara, and uh, shout out to Perth for a third time. Why? Might as well make it a hat trick. And if you want your town to get shouted out, why don't you get in touch with us or build some massive desalination plants? One of the two, or you a statue of us. F- that would help a lot, actually. <laughs> You can get in touch with us via email at stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. 
Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.